Do you know what the secret is to keep a baby's skin healthy? The secret is a diaper that doesn't leave skin wet. You've heard me talk about Pampers Swaddlers on our podcast many, many times now, and that's because Pampers Swaddlers is the diaper for healthy baby skin. Pampers Swaddlers absorbs wetness better than the leading value brand and provides up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. And if you're a fan of Pampers, you've got to check out their new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes, which clean better than Huggies Natural Care and are five times stronger, so they resist tearing during a diaper change. With Free and Gentle, mess meets its match. And if you're like me and you love saving and getting rewarded for something you gotta buy anyway, like diapers, don't forget to download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. You can redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers free and gentle wipes for healthy baby skin. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Welcome to ABG, Asian Boss Girl, a podcast for the modern-day Asian-American woman. My name is Helen. I'm Mel. And I'm Janet. Hello, ABGs and ABBs. This episode comes at the tail end of Women's History Month, and we wrote the script as a love note to our ABGs and ourselves. As women, we are faced with many different types of pressures and expectations, both from society and ourselves. So this episode is a little note of encouragement for those moments, days, or even years when you're scrolling through a social media feed filled with posts that bring up negative self-talk, when we feel like we're not where we're supposed to be in life, or think that we have achieved enough. This episode is a note to self and reminder of some of the relationships and practices that sustain us. May today's conversation be a tonic on a rough day, or an energy boost on a good day. That was beautifully said, Janet. Oh, there are many kinds of loving relationships we can experience in life. Parental or other familial love, romantic love, community love, platonic love, or for us, sisterhood. Some of the most fulfilling, tender relationships I've had are with my best girlfriends. As women, we have a natural ability to really see each other, hold space, and uplift each other. Honestly, my best friends make me feel like I'm a total badass and makes me feel like I can accomplish anything. So Janet, speaking of sisterhood and friendships, do you remember a moment that you can recall that really speaks to you about maybe someone in your life that was there for you? Yeah, you know, when we're talking about those like really strong and intimate female relationships, one that comes to mind for me is actually it's not a one-on it's not a one-on-one relationship, it's a group of women. It's the women in my family of my generation on my dad's side. Mm. So that's my sister, my oldest cousin, Stacy, and my younger cousin, Daphne. Between the four of us, we span 10 years of age. So that means we're all kind of in a similar place in life right now within our 20s to 30s, where a lot of different milestones happen. And um, every now and again, we'll do family gatherings. And when we do, I find that the four of us always kind of like go to the side and end up like, you know, talking about kind of how life is going and the things that we're going through. 
Um, And particularly for me, like I shared the last couple of years, I went through a lot of struggles with dating. And I found that, you know, on those off days, having them there to talk to and to share experiences with uh, made me feel a lot less alone. And it's not even just those like big family gatherings, but, you know, on a random weekend, I would drive to my cousin Stacy's house and it was nice to have someone to vent to, some someone with children that I could play with and a family that I could feel the warmth of when I felt like the goal of creating my own was so far away. Um, and particularly going through like the egg freezing experience, I remember a specific phone conversation I had with my sister who was like, you know, have you ever thought about having a kid on your own? And I was like, oh my God, everyone keeps asking me that. I don't think I could do that. She's like, well, you know, for well, you know that like our family, like we definitely have like a community of women. Like you're not, you're not going to be by yourself. And if it was such a simple statement that she said, but it was very reassuring for me knowing that, you know what, like yeah, I'm not alone. Like, mm-hmm. of, of between the four of us, like, I have been the last one to kind of find a partner. You know, they've all been in relationships, many of them with children. Um, and I think no one quite knows the breadth and depth of everything you've gone through, like your family. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, those are that's kind of the first thing that I thought of. Um, uh, how about for you, ladies? I love that you said, like, your sister and your cousins. I think – all of us, like your friends, know how close you are with your family. And I, I, it's so apparent you have this, like, I keep saying close, but you guys are very tight knit. Like, mm-hmm. you grew up together and now you guys are growing up together having kids. So, like, I, I love that you have this community of kind of like, these are your family. They're always going to be there for you. So, I'm happy that you have these women to call on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also you. love how they said, you know, if you do have a, ch- a child on your own, you have that village and that support yeah. system and they've been through it and they know exactly where you're going to be going through and how they can help you and offer that support. So that's very beautiful that yeah. they're there for you. Yeah. But your cousin has four kids, two twins. Two twins that are <laughs> just, just turned two. And they're like four under two. People are always like two under two is hard. It's like four under two. It's so wild. Yeah. But I could also see her being able to still support you in some way. She just seems like that type of a person yeah we joke that she's always like hey if you don't have kids you can take one of mine you know (laughs) (laughs) that's so wild but yeah how about you ladies who are what are some like strong female relationships that come to mind for you yeah um i'm i think about when i think about this question i do think about a more difficult and challenging period of my life i think about my actual sister and also my non-blood sisters, my close girlfriends, which include the both of you, and how you all kind of like showed up for me. Um, and this period of my life was not too long ago, maybe only like four years ago or so, when I was going through therapy and working through a lot of internal struggle. It was a very tumultuous reality that I was facing, and I was coming to terms with with a lot of negative self-talk, with low self-esteem, um, even though I presented as confident. So it's just like, you never know, y'all. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were many more things I was working through and coming to terms with during that time. So just a very difficult period of my life. Um, and other than my partner knowing all of the details of what I was going through, he could only take on so much. And I remember I confided in um, what I was struggling with with my sister. And she and I, just for some context, like we don't have a lot of deep talks. Mm-hmm. We gr- grew up in um, a very emotionless, traditionally very Asian household where deep talks just didn't come to the surface very often. Her and I, obviously, we got along very well, but those just deep emotions rarely came to to um, into conversation. So my therapist at the time 
She was hard on me, but good. She had challenged me to start opening up to more people to stop putting up this facade that everything is perfect and fine when it's not. And so I was going to visit home for an upcoming trip and my therapist said to me, I can't wait for you to come back more empowered and lighter than you are right now once you have that talk with your sister and start removing some of the weight that you carry on your own shoulders. So she kind of forced me to have this talk with my sister um, and I'm very thankful that she did. I think anytime someone is struggling with something, especially if it brings about some level of shame or fear of judgment from loved ones. And I think especially on this topic of like Women's History Month and just being a woman, I think you do face a lot of these pressures and expectations that you mm-hmm. take on yourself. And it's a lot of weight weight that we carry on our shoulders. Um, and I, I think when you're feeling this way, you're always going to be kind of afraid to share with your loved ones what you're going through because you're afraid of how they're going to think about you afterwards. You're afraid of if their perception will change and you worry that your relationship and your dynamic and how they perceive you will change. So a lot of times it's easier to like not introduce something that you're struggling Mm -hmm. with because the dynamic that you have in the present moment is so beautiful that you don't want to introduce something negative into it, right? It's like like a scary thing to do and Mm -hmm. you can't go back. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a huge fear for a lot of people who might be, you know, struggling with things and feel some level of shame with what they're struggling with. So with this whole thing, I was nervous approaching my sister. And when I tell you she was just like the absolute best, most understanding person to have like approached this with, it was a very beautiful moment between the two of us. She was very understanding. She listened. She didn't try to problem solve. She didn't talk over me. She didn't insert herself. She didn't make it about her thinking like, oh, why wasn't I there to like support you? She just kind of listened. And something I remember her saying was, you know, that sounds really hard what you're going through. And I will never understand what you're going through because I'm not you, but I'm here for you to listen and learn. And honestly, I didn't even know that that was what I was expecting to hear or what I wanted to hear. I think I just expected the worst, but that was like the best answer to receive. And I think a lot of times when you're struggling with something, you just want someone to listen, mm. you know, <laughs> crying Mel. <laughs> you're going to make yeah, me cry. It's like, I'm like holding it back right now. Cause I'm <laughs> like going back to that moment. Yeah. And I think I've always seen my sister as someone who is, she's such a, an amazing big sister such a rock for me um and she like broke down and cried so hard and we were just like crying together and um i think she was just crying out of like love and out of care and probably a bit of concern too but um it really did solidify my relationship with her and i really feel like she's i was like damn you're the best sister in the whole entire world and our relationship is stronger because of that like i hated her guts growing up all throughout middle and high school and now i just love and appreciate her so much so i think for these types of situations having deep compassion listening with open ears and no judgment giving that to your you know best girlfriend is what they need when they're you know struggling with something so um yeah that's that's my my story of something a difficult time and how um, a female friend in my life, my sister, showed up for me. That is um, very beautiful. Mel's crying. So oh, <laughs> I'm gonna use. I'm gonna try to what's use. What's coming words. up for you, yeah. Mel? What are you thinking? <clears throat> I'm emotional. Period. <laughs> <laughs> period, sisters. We're yeah. saying. <laughs> I'm all yeah. Totally on my period. Um, 
I think just retelling of that d- difficult time for you, like, brings me back to. Mm. Yeah. Why is it so? We're like traveling right now. We're in a hotel room, and <laughs> every time, we're, <laughs> every time we go to a hotel hotel room to record something, we get really emotional. I don't know. No. I'll be honest. I think this episode when I was prepping for, I did cry like writing my own answers. Yeah. I think sometimes, like, I think you retelling that situation, and like, I we all know Annie, and she's just so nice. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes when you're when you encounter such like selfless kindness. It's just so overpowering sometimes. Mm-hmm. You're just yeah. like, how did I how did I get to a place to deserve your love? Because mm-hmm. it's not something you feel on the day to day. So yeah. when you feel it, you're like, oh my gosh. Yeah. So that feeling could be so overwhelming. Mm-hmm. And to know that like, I think as a friend and as a woman to know that you're getting this kind of love, it's like really nice. Yeah. It's also like, I don't know. It just makes me feel very emotional yeah. hearing that. Because it, it makes me happy to that unfortunate situation. Like, brought you and your sister so much closer because you guys already are you ladies are already so close yeah I think when you both talk about your family too like I think I think I feel emotional because I'm aware of these people like I know these people it's not like Mm -hmm. you're talking about strangers to me so I'm like oh man like these women are so great and like oh Annie or like Stacy like it just it makes it so real of how supportive these people are and Mm -hmm. like I don't know I think it's funny to talk about support and get so emotional but I don't know when you go through hard things it's just like you feel more effective when someone's so tender towards you. Yeah. You know? And I, especially as a mom now too, it's like, they say it takes a village to like raise a child. It's so true. And Annie, she just moved to LA. It's funny because I never tell her all of this stuff in person. We're still fairly emotionless. (laughs) So Annie, if you're listening, this is for you. Um, But like on days where it's just, I'm alone with my child and I need a little bit of help. I literally would just text her and be like, I'm coming over for dinner. It's not even a question, which it, that's just that's just our relationship as sisters yeah. and our dynamic where I, I'm just like, I'm just going to insert myself if you're home. And she's never says no. She's like, don't worry, I'm making chicken and broccoli today and we have salmon like I'll make extra for your baby, too. And I will literally go over there, especially we have meetings at like 6 or 7 p.m. Yeah. Then I need to just be in that meeting so she will watch him and play with him and feed him. And then I just pick him up after and go home. I'm just like. I feel really lucky mm-hmm. to have, you know, her just in my life right now. I don't I don't know how I would do this without her here right now. Yeah. Yeah, there are a couple of things about your story that I found really moving. Um I think as a, an older sister mm-hmm. myself, I could see um I don't I think that dynamic of of when you have a younger sister come to you with a challenge in their life mm-hmm. and you feel like you can't fix it. Mm-hmm. It's very very like counterintuitive and challenging. Mm-hmm. And I think her feedback for you, I was like, wow, that is um if I had a younger sister come to me and share some of their struggles and if she's crying, yeah. Like I don't know how I'd react, right? Yeah. The second thing was I know the dynamic you two have where it's like on the surface, it's kind of like a little bit more like um like kind of uh, what is the word like joking with each other and like you said like I'm just coming over right yeah and the words that she responded with are so different than that mm. on the surface mm-hmm. but on the below that is that that is what your relationship is is like I'm here for you always um and also to have a sister say I don't understand what you're going through because that's the one person that kind of like mm. knows everything about you yeah. I think is very validating to yeah. be like hey there's not like what you're going through is your own experience and I'm going to be here for you as much as I can. But I recognize that this is tough for you, that you still maybe feel alone mm. in a lot of ways. So. Yes. Yeah. Oof. Mm. <laughs> it's like uh, making me cry all over again and making Mel cry all over again, too. 
<laughs> we're both in our period. Right now. <laughs> you but also, if we weren't, we can still be emotional. Yeah. So. Oh, <sighs> All right. Well, Mel, I wanna. I know Crap. you mentioned that you had um, started tearing up writing your or thinking about your own answer to this question. So, would love to hear that. Hotels just do this to me. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Something in, uh, in yeah. the air. <laughs> Something, yeah. It's the lack of ventilation. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess so for me, when I thought about like s- sisterhood or friendships, like I think two, I guess like uh, two groups of people or two instances kind of pop up. The first one, I don't know why this came straight as a memory, but I thought about when I was going through my last breakup in I think 2018. I felt really cared for by my roommate Darlene. I just remember like during that time, I, my anxiety was like off the charts where I literally couldn't sleep and function. Mm-hmm. And I was just so on edge. And since she lives with me, she was like the only one that could see me at home, like mm-hmm. struggling. And the only thing that helped me during this time to distract from my thoughts was like literally reading out loud from like a chapter book. And I remember she would just sit there for an hour in the living room and just let me read out loud to her. Mm-hmm. and that use of time like could be used elsewhere but the fact that she was like all right Mel read out loud like say what's on the page right now just so my mind could go somewhere else was like really thoughtful and also during that breakup period was like we were kind of like still figuring out what we were and it was really rough and it was during Valentine's Day mm-hmm. and here I am being like oh my, am I gonna go like I don't know and I wasn't sure and then I remember I think Dar was dating someone at the time not her current boyfriend And she said, Mel, let's go to dinner. So me and her went to dinner on Valentine's Day and she chose to go with me instead of her partner. And we went to like Thai, went to get Thai food. So I wouldn't feel alone. Um, Sorry. Mm. Yay, Dar. (sighs) What's going on? (laughs) That Thai food was so good. It was so good. It was so good. It was so powered. Always hit. Um, and then lastly, when I think about Dar, I don't know why I'm fucking crying about Darlie. It's so crazy. Does Dar listen to the podcast? No. Okay. <laughs> she right. knows about it. All these love notes to I people know. who don't listen to I know. the podcast. I think, woo, I don't, I'm, I'm surprised I'm this emotional right now, actually. I think lastly, I'll say with, um, with the last situation with Dar is that not related to the breakup, but there was one time when you both were there and I was going through like my second and my last panic attack and I was really freaking out. Like I never had a panic attack like that where I felt like I was literally, I couldn't breathe and I didn't know what to do and you guys had to drive me back home. All I could think about was like how Darlene for me at that time like represented home and comfort for me and I was like, I can't wait to go back to Dar because she felt so familiar and like I just remember being home and she knew I, I was coming home with feeling at really anxious she like had like ramen ready for me to make sure like my bed was like getting just to make sure I was like coming home to like extreme comfort and like I think I was just so grateful for that because like when you're going through a panic attack you feel so vulnerable like you don't know what to do and your body's like in shock and so for her to like be there and feel like home was like so powerful for me and I think the reason why I get so emotional like talking about Darlene is because I sometimes really forget how close we are like I don't think a lot of my outside friends know my bond with Dar because she's been my roommate right and I think seven years right? seven years we've been living together and I think sometimes when you put the title of roommate everyone has different relationships with their roommate so you don't know the intensity of their relationship Mm -hmm. but 
Dara has been such a natural part of my everyday life. Like literally in the morning, I, we make breakfast together. I, we sit down and talk about problems. Like she's there to always listen. She never makes me feel like crap. She's so supportive and validates my feelings, even when I'm feeling like bad or guilty. And that this is for like the last seven years of my life that I don't really share out loud because like when you're at home, it feels private, mm-hmm. you know? So I think, again, I'm, I'm emotional because I don't say out loud how much I appreciate her. You know, like literally day to day, like taking care yeah. of someone is yeah. so like considerate. Um, I always, we always joke around like whenever we end our like roommate, like year, like roommate relationship, like I'll be so devastated, even though I know I need to move on, like, mm. you know, in life. But she's been such a like just consistent person. And I just like really like I'm so lucky to have someone to live with that takes care of me. Oh, that's a beautiful relationship that you have with her. Yeah. yeah. And I think the last instance, I'm done crying. <laughs> Mel just threw away her snotty tissue. Yeah. Just like tossed it real quick. Like literally on the, I was on the airplane prepping for this question. I was like crying into like my face bath. Because it's like, you know, when you don't give the appreciation of the space to really like take in what someone has done, it just yeah. comes like pouring out. Yeah. And I think with Darlene, we joke around ways. I was like, I love you. Or like, thank you for this. It's always like those one-off things, but when it's all happening, you're like, oh, wow. Like, you have definitely, like, been there for me. Yeah. Um, the second instance was pretty recent. Um, it was when you both surprised me for my birthday. Mm. I know it's, like, very different. Um, but I think reflecting back, like, that night was, like, one of the most happiest memories I've had in a while. And um, Do you want to recount what, what it was? Yeah. Um, so for my birthday, um, I usually like for my birthday, like I, I like besides one of the years for my 30th surprise me, I usually plan my own like gathering. Mm-hmm. Um, but that weekend, um, Helen and Jen are like, oh, let's go to lunch. Because I think usually for our birthdays, we always like to have an intimate meal with just the three of us. So I was expecting like, oh, it's going to be in 626 because like we're going to um, get noodles because they know I like something like mom and pop noodle vibe. Mm-hmm. That was me noodles. And then we had to kill time because Helen's like, I'm not ready yet. Can you guys like come later? Cause I knew Helen actually was flying out to Boston and I was like, Oh, she's gonna be so busy packing, like figuring out what to pack for the toddler. And so Jan and I are like, okay, let's just go to target and we're killing time. And I had, I was like, cool. I don't mind going to target. Me and Jan were just literally just like walking every aisle. I was distracting, distracting Mel while they were preparing something for her back at Helen's house. And I thought, I thought Mel knew I was like, damn, uh, is it random that we're just going to target? But (laughs) I don't you seem like you were having a great time. <laughs> I, had, I think it's because like the thing that heavily distracted me was that I knew Helen was like had Boston coming up and, sh- and we she had barely any time to prep. So I was like, oh, she needs as much time as she can. Yeah, like, it's yeah. fine. And so I was like, OK, well, we walked every aisle. We bought my flylighter. <laughs> I guess it's time to go meet Helen now. And then we park at Helen's and we always hang out in their backyard. Mm-hmm. So when Helen's like, oh, I'm still upstairs getting ready. Just come through the backyard. I was like. I literally was like, okay. Like, <laughs> I didn't think twice. And so I was walking ahead, and then I turned the corner. I did, I did see, like, another friend, like, his head in the kitchen door because it's, like, glass door. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. Like, that's not Helen or Janet. Yeah. And I, I, I think at that point, I didn't have time to register. So I turned around, and then I see all my close friends there, and they, like, yelled surprise and happy birthday. And I see like Ray, my boyfriend. And I was like, what? Because I saw him that morning. And I was like, he's like, oh, I'm so busy today. I have to like, I'll drop you off after breakfast. I was like, oh, I won't see you. Okay, cool. Here he is like right in front of me in Helen's backyard. And I was like, what the F? <laughs> and then I think what surprised me more is behind all my friends was like a hibachi grill. <laughs> and like a dining set or dining room or dining like tabling that looks really nice. And I was just like in complete shock. 
and I was just like, what the? Like, I was <laughs> didn't expect it. It was a. It was one of the most genuine surprises I've ever seen. Yeah. Like she was genuinely surprised. And we're like, you didn't think at all. You're like, I had no idea. <laughs> and you guys like, know, you're I, still like, where am I? What's happening? Yeah, I feel like I usually have a t- I'm the type to have an inkling. I'm like, yeah, oh, what if yeah. this happened? Oh, yeah. Like very that. But I don't think I've totally caught off guard. I've never been that surprised ever. Mm. So I think just seeing everyone was like, I don't know, genuine surprise. I just felt like the overall feeling I felt reflecting back was like so overwhelmed with love and consideration you guys gave me that night and I think that event was so special to me because it like reminded me of what I truly value and how something so simple like gathering of my close friends could be bring such large amounts of happiness Mm. you know what I mean like Mm -hmm. it felt so perfect and I just can't describe it I was like I'm just so in bliss Mm. so yeah thank you for that moment yay yay so in bliss yeah Ah, yes we're very happy we were able to give you that experience um i i I thought you said at one point that you don't like surprises did you ever say that no i i think i i i don't mind surprises okay because i I remember thinking that i was like Mm. wait does mel not like surprises should we not be doing this that's true because you sometimes like to plan your own i feel like to have more awareness control control of the situation yeah. yeah yeah I, you know what it is, too? I think for that weekend or that surprise, I was very moved, too, because I also know our schedule and I know how busy both are. The fact that our day-to-day is so busy and, like, Helen had to like, literally fly the next morning. I was like, the ha- to, to shell out time to do that for someone is so considerate because I'm like, mm. that's a lot of work. Mm. So I remember being like, oh, wow, like, I'm so appreciative. Mm. Yeah. Of course. I, honestly, I feel like experiences and celebrating life is the, one of the biggest parts of life. So it's like when we can have those moments, we should take advantage of it and, and oh, do yeah. something, you know? That's how I always approach life nowadays, mm. I feel like. It's the experiences, seeing joy, being with friends. I agree. Being in bliss. Yeah. Yes. For those listening, do you recall a time when a girlfriend really showed up for you? Shoot her a text or call her. Do people still do that? I mean, I do. <laughs> Just to let her know how much you appreciate having her in your life. Yes. Do you know what the secret is to keep a baby's skin healthy? The secret is a diaper that doesn't leave skin wet. You've heard me talk about Pampers Swathers on our podcast many, many times now, and that's because Pampers Swathers is the diaper for healthy baby skin. Pampers Swathers absorbs wetness better than the leading value brand and provides up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. And if you're a fan of Pampers, you've got to check out their new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes, which clean better than Huggies Natural Care and are five times stronger, so they resist tearing during a diaper change. With free and gentle, mess meets its match. And if you're like me and you love saving and getting rewarded for something you gotta buy anyway, like diapers, don't forget to download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. You can redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers free and gentle wipes for healthy baby skin. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Now we are going to move on to the topic of comparison and harsh self-judgment. Oof. Yikes. With social media and the internet, the sources of inspiration are clearly endless. I feel like I can honestly scroll on and on and on and not even realize I've scrolled for an hour. Even though there's a lot of creativity and inspiration out there, there's also a lot of potential sources of comparison and self-deprecation too. So when is it too much? The three of us spend a considerable amount on social from choice and habit, but also because it's a necessary part of our business and generally something we also enjoy. So we do have to ask ourselves, though, when is it more draining than uplifting? Hmm. Solitas, what's a recent time you felt kind of down and attributed social media consumption to the reasoning? All right. I will say I definitely struggle with this being that I worked in social media for like 10 plus years. It Mm -hmm. just kind of infiltrates your brain. Mm -hmm. Um, To be honest, I can't think of a specific example, but I can give you general things that make me feel kind of down and how I try to combat these feelings. The first thing I'll say is like, honestly, on your explore page or on your feed, you see these really hot women looking like sexy as F can be somewhat discouraging sometimes. You know, personally, this month has not been the best month for me in terms of fitness and nutrition since I've been exhausted and traveling so much more. You're not in that routine. So sometimes when you see these photos, you're like, damn, like I feel like crap, you know? And when you see your friend looking freaking amazing, you just naturally compare yourself. For me, I just, that's my negative habit. Um, I think for these busy times, what I try to do instead is tell myself it's all about discipline and getting back on the routine once I'm back in LA. And if I get some kind of moment in while I'm traveling or away, like either balanced meals or some kind of movement, I'm good. Like that's fine. Also reminding myself that like everything, this is a journey and focusing on parts of my physical self that I do love, mm-hmm. like my butt. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. I was like, look at my butt, it looks like a pillow. <laughs> I, I think as lame as that Did sounds. Did you say it, my butt looks like it has filler? No, my butt like a pillow. <laughs> like a pillow. Oh. I don't need no filler on my butt. But I know just little moments like that, just like to give love back to yourself. Mm. I think another thing is social media, unfortunately, is a who's where and a numbers game. Mm. It is what it is. You see all the likes, you see all the followers. There are times when I don't get invited to events or notice I'm the least followed amongst the three of us. There are times I really do mm. question my value and worth. And I like, sometimes I rent to Ray and Ray be like, babe, don't. It's okay. It's mm-hmm. not it's mm-hmm. not what it's about. Mm-hmm. I think recognizing that placing my own self-value in this social stuff and recognizing that it's not good is a good first step. Mm-hmm. Yes, for like, sure. Re- like yeah. recognizing. Yeah. Yes. I will say the more I spend time in the activities or the people that bring me happiness, I do remember what my value is. I remember my worth. Like that's why my birthday was so special. It wasn't yeah. about this. It was about my friendships, yeah. my connections, mm-hmm. this moment. I will also say having a boyfriend who isn't big on social, which I never thought I'd date, Allows me to not take it too seriously either, Mm. which leads to my last thing that really helps. Taking breaks and not sharing everything on social media has helped tremendously. I think the more I'm with Ray, I'm loving this like private space we're creating creating for each other. And I'm able to be more present in the moments where I'm not trying to get a story in, you know, like, oh, I have to post this. I have to do that. Like for me, when I was at Disneyland this past weekend, 
I, I, I got content for myself. So I want to remember this like great weekend. Yeah, I took a photo of a tree. <laughs> I, yeah, I was like, look at this tree against the Star Wars galaxy land thing. <laughs> Obviously, yeah. Anyways, um, but yeah, I, I think sometimes with these moments, just capturing moments for yourself and then having the choice of like, do I want to post or not? Yeah. It becomes like a second, second thought because I will say my difficulty is like, being present in the moment so how can I be more present and not worry about these exterior things I will say in general all of this ebbs and flows it's not like I do these solutions and I magically feel great all the time some days it does affect me more than others but these are some tactics that I choose to do to help in those low moments Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but yeah I think a lot of times um or I think people probably listening in will just be like well just don't don't post on stories but I think Mel comes from a more unique background that she has always been involved in social media so there is this level of pressure that she feels to be present on the socials Mm -hmm. and to always sort of be on but I think these steps that you've taken are very necessary and exactly you know like compared to a year ago yeah Yeah. you sound like you've you've grown so much in the space of just like the mental space of not needing to do something that you don't want to do yeah and that's so important yeah it's like you acknowledged it and now Mm. you've already taken that step away from it yeah 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 yeah, I liked how when you talk through your thinking process for like, oh, I'm looking at uh, people and there's a natural, the automatic thing that my brain does is compare and think mm-hmm. about myself. But then you took control or you steered it away and you said, okay, well now what in my real life can I do that's more focused on things that make me feel good? Mm-hmm. And what are things about myself that I like? Um, and that is like, that is the way to kind of start slowly adjusting the way that you react and think about things. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I was like, oh, that's a very healthy way to, to deal with it. So thank you for walking us through that. Of course. Thank you. I'm actually really curious about what you both have for this mm-hmm. answer. Mm-hmm. I will say that my qualm with social media is that I can just end up spending way too many hours on there mm. scrolling endlessly, which is what it's designed to do, right? <laughs> you're just going from one to the next to the next, and then your legs get numb, and you're like, oh, I need a flush. <laughs> 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 right? I think I have... Um, very intentionally purge my Instagram account of things that will make me feel negative. So you know how you were saying like, oh, you scroll and you see all these like hot bodies. I don't really see hot bodies anymore. I think I I used to, but maybe that's something that I also identified early on as, Mm. oh, this is making me not feel good about myself. It's making me compare. Um, It's putting me in a very negative headspace. So now my feed is mostly all baby content, wedding related things, hair clip tutorials, because I still (laughs) don't know how to properly do a hair clip bun but I feel relatively good about my Instagram feed it's just Mm. the amount of time that I'm spending on there I will say that my Twitter on the other hand I don't post on Twitter but I am definitely on there just to just to stay on top of what's going on in the world what's going on in the world and I feel like my curated content is becoming a lot more violent (laughs) oh what it's like really annoying and I don't understand why I think it might be because of the whole BLM movement stop Asian hate movement and Uh. I was literally watching all of those videos so I could stay abreast of what was happening in our community and what we could do to offer assistance Mm -hmm. or help in some way but my curated Twitter feed is like people robbing jewelry stores or Mm -hmm. someone getting sucker punched or I think this might have been actually trending, but someone pushing someone's wheelchair down a flight of stairs when that individual is being assisted to the bathroom. Like, it's all horrible stuff. 
and it shows the worst side of humans. Mm. And I'm not Twitter savvy enough to know how to uncurate that information. <laughs> mm. I'm like, how do I look up other things to like switch this algorithm? Because this is not me. I don't, I don't want this. Yeah. You know? But I think every time I go to my to the curated part, it just makes me feel really sad um, and just like nervous for the future of or even just like our current reality. Mm-hmm. Like last week, I went to pick up meds from CVS with my baby at like 7.30 p.m. when it was already dark out, but still relatively early. And there were some sketchy people at CVS, which for me growing up in the city of Boston, growing up like in Boston proper happened all the time. So many sketchy people. That was my norm. But I was never nervous or scared about my safety. Mm. And I feel like now it's maybe because of the realities of what's happening in the world or because we're getting more brainwashed with what we see on social to think that that is just everyday life and normal now, all of this like violence, that when I see strangers, I, I see them with a, a lens of like a violent, a violent mm. lens. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it it like it's it's such a scary it's just scary and I get into very like protective mama bear mode especially Mm -hmm. when I'm with my baby like I'll walk faster or if there's like a sketch individual behind us I will let them cut me in line by pretending to go pick up something else and then getting back in line Mm. to go behind them so that they can finish first and leave or you know when I'm walking to my car I will like go as fast as I can like I'm on high alert all the time and I think I just get worried about the world that my child is growing up into and mm-hmm. what type of adversity he's going to face. Um, and I think a lot of social media contributes to my thinking of that, at least like my Twitter feed. So that's something I'm becoming more aware of. And it's something I think I need to find a balance with in terms of just like parenting, mm-hmm. either entirely protecting him from the world or allowing him to face some of this ad- adversity and grow from it. But how do you do that while keeping him safe? So it's mm. it's a balance I'm trying to figure out how to not overstimulate my brain and think that this world is just terrible and just want to like keep him, lock him up at home for the rest of his life. Um, so, yeah. That's... Oh, I could totally see. I mean, if, if you've listened to past episodes, we've shared how protective Helen can be of her friends and mm-hmm. how much she... She could stuff it up and, you know, <laughs> if the world, if there's like a, a scary situation, she'll be there to protect. So I can only imagine what it's like when you have a baby that, you know, how that has like increased in in high alertness. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think knowing your personality, because when you're in something, you're 150% in it. How do you kind of figure out that balance, mm-hmm. right? Especially when social media is feeding you all this content um, that shows kind of the darker sides of humanity. Yeah, that must yeah. be. Like, sometimes I see bullying videos, and I'm just, oh, I literally yeah, yeah, put him yeah. in that position. Sometimes I read a book, like a children's book, which touches upon bullying. I'm like, no! You start to think just, of him. Oh, yeah. yeah, but at the same time, like, he'll need to have that tough skin to protect himself in the future. So it's just such a weird... Uh, yeah, your compulsion <laughs> like, is she's very good at protecting. Mom yeah. brain going off right now. Oh. But, yeah. What do you think... Um, is there anything that you're focus on doing to help kind of balance that out no <laughs> <laughs> well I think the first step is you just addressing it you're like look I want I want to protect him but at the same time I know I know that he needs to learn a little bit from yes. himself yeah so maybe when he gets older too because he's just starting to enter the stage where he can start to he's barely like yeah. walking and you know I'm like already older. thinking about I'm like this is how like movies and shows come about mm. the one where there's one where it's like the 
like the the girl was always kept inside her home. Oh yeah, yeah. And then she couldn't leave because she was told that she has some like sickness if oh, she were to be exposed Munch to the outside House world syndrome or something. Yeah, I, but like she falls in love with someone outside and uh, they like touch. It's also fingers. like tangled. <laughs> I guess something kinda. like that, but. Or, like, I don't know. I'm just, like, thinking, oh, this is how all these, like, movie ideas come about of trying to, like, protect. Or, like, I'm, like, what if you create a simulation for your child to, like, <laughs> face adversity? And so he learns oh. from it, but he's actually protected and safe. Anyway. Interest. I, we just got some insight into Helen's brain. Hey, all the way she's trying to problem solve this. Helen's movie ideas, too. <laughs> yeah. How about for you, Jay? What is something that you're you're seeing on your social and how is that affecting you? Yeah. Um, So about a year ago at this time, I feel like my life was in a very different place. Um, I think everyone knows the feeling of feeling a little stuck in life, like almost like your life is on pause and everything else is progressing and you're like, I can't move forward, right? Mm -hmm. So about a year ago, I was already a couple months after like having a relationship not successfully work out. And um, I had basically kind of like rented out my apartment in downtown and gone back to stay with my parents in Mission Viejo. I was like, I need some time. I know I want to maybe move to a different place in LA, change something up about my life, but I didn't really know what. And there were many, many days where I just remember sitting in my parents' house, maybe in bed, scrolling through social media and like seeing things that, you know, almost in kind of a numb state where like you just you're seeing people's lives continue and you just feel so stuck that it stops being emotionally like effective. And then I remember that one day when I scrolled through and saw a story from the guy that I had been dating and now he was he had just gone to dinner with this other girl and it was very apparent that they were like dating in a serious relationship Mm. and everyone I think can like know that feeling when you find Mm. out someone that you Mm -hmm. were seeing or had something with um, moves on before you do and even in my 37 year old brain that knows logically like we ended very well you know the whole point is that we should be finding other people you can't help how you feel emotionally especially on a social setting where you see something visual right Mm -hmm. and I remember that situation happening where I just kind of like I'm like okay yeah I feel I can't control this and I feel like shit and I just kind of like I was okay in giving myself like a day to feel that way took a little longer than a day to be honest yeah but um but yeah it eventually it eventually got better um I I would say that that's that's kind of one situation that comes to mind another aspect of social media that um you know I think is unique for us is that it does play a role in our work now And I remember like five, six years ago when we started, I was one of those people that was on Instagram, like taking photos of my coffee or taking photos of (laughs) Of your tuna, of your, of your, yeah, tuna can. Sardines, 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 like random stuff like that. I had never, I was introduced to social media as a form of like for fun to capture art. And I had not thought about it as like a tool for work or for sharing my persona with the world. Mm. But that is your persona. I don't. So that is part of the struggle is I think when we started doing ABG and now we're developing our own senses of selves and sometimes we're like thinking strategically, what is your brand? What are you trying to share with the world? I still feel so, and I remember in the beginning, I felt just so like out of my element. Mm. Um, And I still struggle with that, to be honest. I don't know, like I went, I go through periods where I'm like, I'm going to share a bunch of yoga content or I'm going to share meditation stuff. And then there's sometimes where I'm like, ah, that's like not what I'm into now. But then is that like not my quote unquote brand? And I think especially nowadays when, when, when we start to think about it as work and I'm scrolling through and I see other peers posting stuff, there is this 
innate impulse like oh shoot should I also be posting yeah, right yeah. Mm-hmm. and and then you try to catch yourself and be like well is that not natural or whatever yeah, yeah. Um, yeah and I and that's that's something that I still am trying to figure out and I don't really know what the answer to that is but I I do want to share that it is a unique weird space to be in mm-hmm. um, of thinking about how you're presenting yourself to the world when you feel like your work is involved with mm-hmm. social yeah hundred percent agree I think what you both what you shared I relate to both things. <laughs> Especially with, like, I think what you said about, like, when you stumble upon an ex's account and you found mm-hmm. out, like, they're dating or a friend of a friend, you're like, F. Like, I think it's the one thing I hate about social media is that, like, you have access to yeah. this, like, type of content. Access is good and bad. Yeah. yeah. And sometimes I'm like, I hate the fact that I could, I know if my ex-boyfriend from, like, I don't know, like, college or high school got married. I'm just like, why do I need access to this information? Yeah. But that's just the world we live in now. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, that's, can, but then you can, like, block and all of that, but. Then it feels kind of like, you know. Yeah. But in some ways, it's like, I think I would have rather, f- f- like, found out that way than, say, if I ran into him in person, maybe. Mm. I'm trying to think about it in a positive way. Mm-hmm. But I guess in both cases, it's, like, not really within your control, right? That's true. Because, like, right. like, I didn't choose to scroll through and see that story. I kind of did. But to your point, the access of all the information can be empowering, but also can be incredibly, like, debilitating sometimes. Yeah. And I was going to comment on your second thing. And yeah. obviously, we, Helen and I definitely were there in the beginning when you're like starting social. And like, I understand your struggle because I think when work is involved with social, you can help but think about the tactics that work for yeah, ABG in yeah. terms of like, this is the thing that works to get more likes or whatever. When you're on yours, you're like, do I use these tactics or use whatever the heck I want to do for myself? So that kind of sometimes gets a little blended. So mm-hmm. like, you're like, do I use both? Do I just do what I want? Mm-hmm. Like, it could get kind of confusing. Yeah. Social media is definitely a, a beast and it's a very psychological thing that yeah. um, we go through. And again, I think a lot of people listening probably don't feel the same amount of pressures. So maybe it's not as like relatable, but I think this is something that we do go through. And for anyone who is going into more of like a media entertainment space, this is just, it's part of the job, y'all. It's mm. part of the job. Yeah. And for our listeners, how does the content you consume make you feel about yourself? And what are some boundaries you can put in place to con- to counteract any negative side effects? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And another thing to think about is different ways that you can soften any rigid expectations you have for yourself. I think oftentimes we are the hardest critics for ourselves. So what are ways that you can start to acknowledge the way you're thinking and start to adjust that? Okay, let's talk about an incredible moment that happened recently. At the Oscars, everything, everywhere, all at once. So many deserving wins. But the one that we want to talk about, obviously, is Michelle Yeoh and her speech. Oh my god, when she said, ladies, don't let anyone tell you you are ever past your prime. That is a quote that will live forever. And even though we're all still relatively young, with all the pressures to achieve certain things by a certain age, is there a time recently when you were worried about whether or not you were past your prime? I definitely have moments when I think about this. Sometimes within the world of podcasting and media, I do wonder if ABG is past its prime. Like, I'll be honest, I do think about that. 
Because also, you know, relating to my above insecurity with social and being like, quote unquote, the least followed, what does that mean for me, you know, in my career? Will I lean into a more private life and abandon this online presence? What does it take to feel like, quote unquote, you're in your prime again? And I remember sharing these thoughts with my mom, because I think I go through ebbs and flows where I'm like, I don't know if I'm in my prime anymore. And I'll tell my mom, like, I don't know if I'm achieving as much as I should. Mm. And she once told me, I think this was two years ago, she's like, this is your year. Or last year, she said, this is your year. But with that year being gone, does that mean I was once in my prime, I'm no longer in it? Like, I do mm. think of these random thoughts. So these are just some of the, like, random thoughts I do have with my career, our career. Um, so when I heard Michelle Yeoh's speech, and even, like, Kiwi Kwan's, I literally cried, like, in bed, hearing their speeches. Because I think it's just a reminder that no matter where you are, there's always still that chance to achieve and mm. dream and get and like achieve your dreams. I know it sounds kind of like woo woo, but it's like very, when you see them win, like you're like holy crap, this is like a reality you can't achieve, yeah. you know? Yeah. And the way I'm reframing these thoughts because they can be counterproductive and like not very beneficial. I'm reframing it to be like you know I think with ABG we're giving it everything we got like. This year, we definitely turned up a few notches. And even for myself individually, I'm trying to be more intentional like with the content I put out and especially with my mini show. So just like knowing that we're doing the best we can and that's, that's the best we can do. And for me, again, I want to say this is coming from my individual thoughts because right. I do have like these shower thoughts where I'm like, I wonder, like even for myself within ABG. So not saying mm -hmm. the three of us is like, where am I? Like, mm -hmm. what is my role? Am I, am I contributing? Mm -hmm. But again, like I said, just reminding that, you know, you, the best is doing the best you can is the best you can do. Yeah. Yeah. For this question, I don't think I've ever had anyone say to me that you're past your prime for anything. Mm -hmm. And I don't think personally for me, I have felt like I've reached, I've reached my prime. I think in terms of like volleyball, that's more, um. that was my, um, passion for most of my 20s and I came to terms that my muscles atrophy and <laughs> I am no longer at my prime I, was, I always say that I probably peaked in high school now looking back and that's I think that's totally okay because I think your passions can change and you can achieve other things where you you know kind of reached a prime there um, I think people who do say that someone especially in their 20s or 30s or 40s have reached their prime actually sounds like a very sexist statement because mm. then you're probably thinking of the woman in terms of her appearance or mm -hmm. her childbearing capacity so if anything I feel like women are actually reaching their prime later in life like for me having having a baby now I can see how there's a little bit of a step back in terms of reaching certain ambitions or goals but it's knowing that there's another chapter two that's coming mm. later on and knowing that I haven't reached my prime yet. Because when I think of reaching your prime, there's a certain level of knowledge you're trying to accrue. There's a certain level of wisdom and experience to gain. And I'm not there yet. I still feel like I still feel like a child sometimes. So I don't feel like I've reached my prime. I will say that when we switched over from our corporate careers to podcasting full time, when I was in my early 30s, that was a very scary move. I did worry if it was too late to start over because mm. when you're in your 30s, you start hitting upper management levels. And I think a lot of times people are just very invested into whatever company they're working with at that time, because especially once you start having a family, then it's like, I need to have stable income. I need to have health insurance. So that that was a scary move to make. But at the same time, maybe... The, the the Sagittarius in me, the the blind optimist, the someone who craves excitement and newness. I also just had a lot of faith in us, and I 
believe that this would be something. So I don't feel like, yeah, I don't feel like I've reached my prime in anything yet. I don't feel like ABG has reached this prime. I think we've reached a certain height um, during a period of time where Asian content was more necessary and it felt like more a bigger spike and it's normalized a little bit more. But I, I think we're taking those steps to build a more, a bigger foundation to achieve bigger things, not because of a spike, but because that becomes a part of our normal activity. So Mm -hmm. that's where I see us going. Um, If someone were to tell me that I've reached my prime, I'd be like, Michelle Yeoh said to not (laughs) tell me that. And I haven't yet, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I don't, I don't feel like I've reached my prime yet. I like that you describe the prime as almost like um, a state of mind, like a, mm. a you know amount of wisdom or mm. amount of experience versus an actual age. So it's yeah, I like that way of thinking about it. Yeah. Um, for me personally, I I actually was kind of reverting back to the more traditional thinking about your age, and it was funny just coming back into this hotel room to take a recording. Mel and I went to grab coffee. We had to cross the <laughs> we had to cross the um, the casino. And, uh, you know, they have a guy sitting there that's like security checking your IDs. And we were about to take out our IDs. And he's like, oh, no, you're good. Just go. And I was like, oh, he's have not my Yeah. Have I, am I like obviously not 21? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's one of those moments where you're like, oh, I guess society tells me that like mm. I'm, I'm older now. And especially as a woman, like thinking, what does that mean? Um, and for me, like, Uh, You know, I've shared so much about this, like wanting to find a partner and start a family in the last couple of years. And as much as I know that a lot of women nowadays are having families later and as many examples as I can see that in my actual life, I also have a lot of examples of the reverse, which is all of my high school friends are married with two kids already. Right. And I can't help but think like at the like in my late 30s, I have yet to even be married and even to have like one kid and mm-hmm. some of that starts to hit some like actual like physical limitations right mm-hmm. but um but yeah i have a friend who who um works uh works at the public defender's office and she's always reminding me that she has a lot of coworkers, women who have kids in their 40s and as much as i can hear that and i see it around me you still can't help but sometimes revert back to those thoughts um or like what you see on tv the families and like how young Mm. the mom looks or things like that so Mm -hmm. i think there's definitely been times when that still sneaks into my mind a lot but but i'm trying to learn to just like not hold on to any like not hold on to any future reality too tightly because Mm. what my life has revealed to me is through experiencing what maybe i didn't plan i can still be just as happy if not happier so i'm trying to let let go and let live or whatever those <laughs> <laughs> let go and let live yeah. let what live <laughs> well uh, actually i do have a question because i think a lot of times women also think about like their looks in terms mm. of reaching their prime right yeah. i think actually no sorry I, I was thinking about that and then i started thinking like have i reached my prime in terms of clubbing days maybe <laughs> like, <laughs> okay, mean- that's, a, that's a random tangent but <laughs> Yeah, maybe. Actually, I don't know. We'll see. Should we test that out tonight? No. Oh, my goodness. I I already know. (laughs) But I think in terms of, like, looks, Mm -hmm. right? Like, personally Mm -hmm. for me, I look in the mirror and I can see myself naturally aging. Aging, I see the fine lines are settling. I see my eye bags are getting darker. And I'm not who I was in my 20s anymore. And especially after having a baby, I can definitely feel, like, my bones and my muscles and joints are aching more. Do you, like... 
do you like and, and I still don't feel like I've reached my prime because mm. sometimes I see people like JLo out there and like yo she's yeah. 50 and she looks fire so I'm hoping that I also look fire <laughs> at 50 <laughs> but like how do you ladies feel about that now that we're in our 30s do you feel like you've reached your prime in terms of your your looks or mm. have you are you not there yet I will say hearing both your answers about like what your perception of prime is, it makes me realize my perception is very primal or very like primal. <laughs> Wait, like, I, I think this is one thing I do respect about you both. You guys have a higher level of thinking with this stuff. Like when Helen's like, mm. when I think about prime is about your thoughts and your experiences. It's my brain went straight to levels of achievement and uh, looks. Yeah, I didn't think yeah. of that level. Mm. So part of me is like, I have some priming up to do or like something. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, <laughs> you're just using prime in all I'm trying to use <laughs> yeah. yes. but I see I see what you're saying like yeah. I do feel like there's some development that I can't have in terms of, in terms of thought yeah. and what it looks like because I'll be honest like I was looking through my old photos like when I used to go to Vegas I was like I was like damn I used to I feel like I was such a hot so hot you know like <laughs> I'd be very, very some like were, revealing yeah. I mean you are yeah. you <laughs> I are. don't feel as physically as hot as I used to be I th- it's like the term hot or sexy isn't a term I would describe myself as anymore like I feel like Bitch, I am I see when you're when you're feeling yourself your hair is all over the place you still you still do that <laughs> I still do, uh, but I feel like it's just been to- so toned down that I don't feel mm. like I was that young hot thing anymore mm. and I don't it's weird to call myself a young hot thing <laughs> But I did have a moment where so I was scrolling through my old photos and I was and from 2014. And I was like, I remember having like, I was so hot. And I like was turning the right. I was like, look at me. I was so sexy. And now he was like, what are you talking about? You still look great. And I was Aww. like, but I think when you see yourself, you know how you were back then. You're like, I don't, I, I can't wear that skirt anymore. I don't fit mm-hmm. in that. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't feel physically I'm in my prime anymore. Mm. The thing that I like about yeah. the defining the prime as a mindset or things yeah. that you experience or kind of the exemplification of Michelle Yeoh is that you can you can have losing battles, but you can still win the war. Yeah, it's I feel that. you on that. Or like you, you Damn might Jay, have like, let live. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, am I saying these like yeah, is it yeah. euphemisms or whatever? But it's like you never know how you might change in the future. That's true, right? Yeah, and also how like prime or youth or well maybe I don't know like how beauty might be redefined like um, societally in mm-hmm. the next couple of years. I don't know. So you, so you didn't have a you didn't think about it that way. I like, mean, I I definitely. Like the whole, for me, maybe it's more of the wrinkles. Like mm. I know I look in the photo and it's, you know, an Asian mom. She's like, make sure that you're you know, yeah. putting your lotion on and I can see your like wrinkles that are coming through. And um, I'm trying to just reframe and think of it as like um, that those are, I don't want to say they're not battle scars, but it's like there's an amount it's of like wisdom. character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 I think I, I think of it that way. Um, and it's, it's not, I mean, I, see, I think it's like, it's very hard in nowadays with the like, uh, prevalence of social media to not mm-hmm. like think of it like in the more traditional yeah. way like oh I'm old and I'm past my prime but I don't know what I'm saying anymore yeah. so <laughs> you know what it is actually I don't know if you feel this way too it's kind of like counter to what we what we experienced downstairs for the ID check but it, Helen yeah to your point I do look in the mirror and I see like light like tender skin Crispy. forming like around my eyes mm-hmm. but for me I'm just like oh wow it's nice to see age finally take like I'm seeing age finally on mm. my face mm-hmm. where I haven't seen it in the past 10 years and I think we are very lucky that being Asian that our genes and our like we do look much younger for our age mm-hmm. and I feel like I get mistaken for being my 20s and my 30s mm-hmm. so seeing that I'm just like 
I do like I kind of like I embrace it versus like oh shit like do I need to get Botox and stuff mm. I don't think about that but it's more like oh this is nice to see these little mm, that's mm. a features. that's a refreshing take on it and yeah. yeah I mean I feel like this could actually be a whole other topic For sure. but quickly touching upon where you were just saying Jay about like how social media I think plays a role also in how you see yourself yeah I'm worse I maybe it's me or like us but we're starting to see I'm starting to see more content about normalizing mm. like aging eight no. no. Oh. Normalizing like, the, the reverse of aging, which is trying to stay youthful by getting like injections mm-hmm. and things like that. And I feel like we grew up in a period of time where that was a very like faux pas thing to talk about. Mm-hmm. But now it's a very common thing common to thing. just yeah. have out there. And it kind of, yeah, I think I think it's, it's great and it's empowering that people feel like if they want to make certain changes that they feel empowered to share it. But I think inevitably there is a side effect of even even for me, I'm like, yeah, nat- age naturally. And there was a, a point when I was like, turned to my husband and I was just like, should I get this done? You know? Yeah. And he's like, no, like you don't need to. But there is a level of influence that I think mm. is out there yeah, yeah. that can be harmful to, yeah. if, if it's like affecting me and I do feel relatively like confident in myself, mm. I think it does, it is harmful to like younger girls who are much more impressionable. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So yeah. just something that, to think about. I think it's a whole, a complete separate topic. And again, I think it's it's like very powerful for someone to share that because it is a journey they're going through with acceptance, with their looks and how to make yourself feel better. But I think there are harmful uh, repercussions mm. as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I it's think a weird for, balance. It's, yeah. it's an interesting thing that you say that because like I remember, I've intentionally started following kind of like older people on Instagram and Mm. there's like this woman who actually like is a face for like the over 50 models or whatever Mm. and I I remember I was like okay so I'm like if you can kind of like change the things that you follow but I think also maybe for me like the yoga content there are a lot of this embracing of natural and Mm. like women as they age or women going through pregnancy kind of doing that so um yeah I think I'm, I'm trying to kind of like lean more heavily into into that way of thinking but mm-hmm. it's hard when so much of the world is making it so accessible to yeah. to hold on to your youth yeah yeah, yeah. so something i want to get into is the practice of celebrating my wins either whether they're big or small i thought it'd be nice to start this practice on this episode with you both so what's one thing you're proud of that you haven't talked about before yeah um i will share something big and something small okay let's start with the big thing um i'm pretty proud of myself that in my current relationship, I feel like I am not going through the overthinking that I usually do. Like for any other time in my life, I think if I had gone this quote unquote quickly uh, through different stages with someone, I would be constantly like kind of in panic mode and trying to check like, is this right? Is this, am I, am I you know, is this the, is this the right person? Is this the right time? But I'm kind of finding myself like letting, like not having a hard time perceiving my emotions as I usually do or mm. freaking out about that. Um, and then also being okay with arguments in a relationship. I have a tendency to want to keep peace and I don't like conflict mm. or confrontation, but um, I've been able to face them in in this relationship and to work through them. And I think that's something that usually I try to avoid. So that's been kind of a big, a big win for me. A small win, uh, I think I've shared that my partner has a dog and it's not that I'm not a dog person, <laughs> but a like, cat person. I'm, I, well, here's the thing. I have like a lot of people in my life with pets and I grew up with friends with pets, but I'm not used to living with a pet. Mm. And so small things like dog hair, even though he's like hypoallergenic, um, I'm proud of myself for like 
starting to like let go of the need to for think to like have to vacuum the moment I see hair or like take a lint roller the moment I see like hey this is what having a dog is like and like being okay mm. with it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, for me, it's more about letting go of control and think, needing things to be like perfect or clean or something like that. So I think that's a small win for me. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I actually feel like both wins you described are kind of, it's like the whole letting go. Yeah. I think that's. Right. That's, that's the theme. Let, let go and let live. <laughs> is that new quote? Is that the quote? I don't know. Let go, let live. Let live, let go. I don't know. I'm looking it up and it, it um, <laughs> automatically populates as let go and let god <laughs> oh shoot well i don't know let god let live yeah. whatever whatever works for you you know yeah, whatever let go, works let live is a thing it, it is a thing <laughs> yes letting go and stop trying to control others yeah that's what it says i'm happy about that one i think even for the first one i you know we've watched you date and i know you could get in your head sometimes yeah. and it could be very anxiety inducing for you so happy to hear that you're with someone you're in a place right now where you don't have to like go to those thoughts yeah I agree. I agree. Yeah. But how about you ladies? What are some small and big and big and small wins? Um, Okay. So this one was really hard for me to think of because I feel like we put so much of our life out there already Mm. that y'all know what we're proud of by now. (laughs) Um, But the one thing I thought of is that I feel like I used to be a very uh, stereotypical little sister. Like my room was always messier than my sister's. I was unorganized I was always forgetting something I was always losing and misplacing things like if you ask any of my family members they are shocked that I am much more organized and as detailed and as I am now and not losing things um and what's weird is that I was just so used to that lifestyle before showing up late not really caring and I think it was unintentionally just causing a lot of stress to the people around me like if you ask my sister she she hated me <laughs> so much for that. She was also my alarm clock in the morning and mm. she would stand at the, my doorway because I snooze and she would just stand there and fall asleep at the doorway until I was ready to unsnooze <laughs> and try to wake me up again. So it was, it, was, it was just like a very, in my mind, stereotypical, privileged little sister mm. type mentality that had everyone else around her to take care of her more than mm-hmm. she took care of herself. So um, we are currently in Boston right now and me packing for this trip, I realized I pack with a lot of intention now. Like I have a complete checklist for everything that I need to pack for down to like tweezers and eye drops if and when my eyes get dry, band-aids in case someone gets a cut. And I have like every single outfit packed down to gym clothes, how many sets, depending on how much I expect to work out, necklaces that go with each outfit. It's the complete opposite of who I used to be. Um, Before I used to be like, let me pack everything into a large check-in, just outfits that I like. And then when I get there, I'll figure out what I want to wear. Mm-hmm. And maybe it was being with my partner that I have now. He's more well-traveled than I am. And he was kind of just like, hey, why don't you pack into a, a carry-on so that we don't have to check in the luggage? It, there's no potential of it getting lost. Um, it takes way more time. And you're just going to be much more organized when you arrive so that we're not waiting for you to pick out an outfit and all of this stuff. There's so many benefits, right, of doing a carry-on. So now I feel like uh, this trip, like going to two different cities, going to Boston winter, going to Texas later where it's much warmer weather for like three different occasions, three different major outfits, we we all packed into a carry-on. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, I'm proud of us. <laughs> like it's it's kind of insane that we we were able to do that it's insane for me honestly as like someone who could definitely not do this before that's actually really true 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I even think, like, when we started hanging out, you probably saw, like, uh, I also was, like, pretty messy with all my stuff. I mean, I went to Asia with, with Helen. I had one suitcase. She had, like, two. And I was like, girl, what the heck? Yeah. But very condensed and very, very organized. Very different. Uh, yeah. And I think a lot of this is also being in a relationship with a partner, before he would make comments to me when we were traveling about like, oh, you're not doing that, like you could do this better. And I would take it as in as if like, oh, no, this is just who I am. And this is how I am. And you should love me for me. Yeah. It's not something I need to change, right? We can just change your lifestyle to fit my current lifestyle. But I've, I feel like I've matured in this way where I listen with open ears. I'm like, okay, valid points, you know, faster, no lost luggage. And taking those steps makes me feel like I'm removing myself from being the stubborn younger sister that I used to be and growing up into this person who is much more responsible. So I know I'm already 35, but <laughs> I feel I feel proud of even a moment like this where we're doing this multi-city trip and packing into a small, small suitcase and feeling organized and not losing things. It just, yeah, I'm proud of myself for that moment, for this moment. We're proud of you too. Yeah. Thank you. I'm like eyeing your suitcase. I'm like, how did you fit everything in there? <laughs> and I have three purses and three pairs of shoes with me. So, what yeah. The hell? <laughs> Very nice, Helen. Thank you. How about for you, Mel? What are you proud of, big or small wins? I'll just say one. Um, and it's a moment. And I'm trying to figure out why I'm proud of this. Um, so recently I went to uh, Ray's cousin's wedding. And it was the first time meeting his extended family and at a social event. I was very nervous because I really wanted everyone to like me. You know, obviously, mm. it's like your partner's family. Yeah. There was one woman the night. I mean, I was pretty, like, buzzed at this point. <laughs> but his parents were there. And at one point, I think his dad and mom were sitting. But I, I think I asked one of them to dance. And the dad ended up dancing with me for, like, a full song. Like, doing, like, this, like, fun cha-cha thing. And Aww. it was, like, I think I was proud and happy in that moment because I'm just, like, wow, I, I get along with your parents really well. Like, I don't feel awkward. And it was kind of like a foresight into like a possible future. Mm. And <laughs> I don't know. I, I think I've always wanted to like be with someone that had a really like, like was close with his family and like mm-hmm. I could have a relationship with them. And this is the first time living it out and just dancing with his dad. I think his dad's more quiet. Mm. It was just like a nice moment that I'll remember. And I remember being, <laughs> this is TMI, I remember being like drunk afterwards and I go up to Ray. I was like, did you see that? Do you want to marry me now? <laughs> <laughs> But it was just like these, I think these little moments kind of like lead you closer to like, for me, like always dreaming about like getting married and like all this stuff. Mm. But it was just like a nice moment of like connecting with his side of the family. So Mm. I felt like it was like a, you know, big little win. Yeah. Cute, cute, cute. Well, as women, we are often reminded in subtle and not-so-subtle ways to stay in our lane, whatever the hell that means. One of the most beautiful and powerful things we can do for ourselves is to know ourselves, allow ourselves to try our best, even if that doesn't amount to perfection, and to be our true selves. So we'd like to leave you with this poignant piece by poet Rupi Kaur. What is the greatest lesson a woman should learn? That since day one, she's already had everything she needs within herself. It's the world that convinced her she did not. Beautiful.
If you don't already, please follow us on Spotify, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating and review, and share this episode with your friends. You can also support us through monthly donations at anchor.fm slash asianbossgirl slash support, or get some merch at asianbossgirl.myshopify.com. If you resonated with today's episode, let us know in the comments of our IG post. And if you'd like to put faces to our names, you can find us on YouTube, where we share vlogs, an audience Q&A segment called Dairy ABG, and much more. Our handle on both platforms is at asianbossgirl. If you'd like to send a shout out to a friend, check out our link tree and our link in bio on our Instagram and click on shout outs. And last but not least, thank you to our super talented editor, Michelle, for working all of her magic on our episodes, including this one. In addition to our main show that releases every Thursday, we now each host mini shows that release on Tuesdays. Tune into No Dumb Questions with Mel, Living Well with Janet, and Spill the Baby Tea with Helen. Each week we release a new episode of one of the shows right here on the Asian Boss Girl feed. So be sure to tune in to us on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And with that, we will catch you all on the next episode. Bye. Bye.